Cleveland Outdoors Radio. I'm Brett Amundsen, and a few years ago, I spent the morning in a ground blind near Moorhead, Minnesota. It was spring, but I wasn't turkey hunting. I arrived an hour before sunrise, snuck in, and sat quietly. Soon, the noise began behind me. It was a noise that I'd never heard before. Then I heard it to my left, then to my right, and soon it was all around me. It was one of the most surreal sounds I'd ever heard. It reminded me of being inside a haunted house right before the, right before the boogeyman jumps out. And as the sun started to light up the landscape, I was finally able to make out the shapes strutting around in front of me. These were prairie chickens on their booming ground, and the show was just about to begin. That show is going on now all across Lex here in the Northland. And to find out why they're doing it and where you can go to see it, we've asked Brian Winter to join us on the show. Brian, thanks for coming to Northland Outdoors Radio. You're welcome. Good afternoon, Brett. Now, as president of the Minnesota Prairie Chicken Society, (laughs) you get to experience that all the time, I bet. Uh, Yes, I do. Uh, But after 40 years of watching greater prairie chickens strut their stuff on Minnesota prairies, I still enjoy watching them boom every spring. Maybe in part it's uh, what keeps me excited about the chicken show is I'm now often in the blind with folks who have not had the experience before, so I get energized by their enthusiasm of seeing these magnificent birds for the first time on a booming ground. And I'm also lucky enough to to live adjacent to the Nature Conservancy's Blue Stem Prairie, so I live literally amongst prairie chickens, and, and the Nature Conservancy's Blue Stem Prairie is one of the best places to see prairie chickens each spring. They are cool birds, and watching them on the lake, I had that same feeling. I just did it for the first time a couple of years ago, and immediately I had a list of people in my head that I knew would enjoy seeing this who I wanted to bring out there. And isn't it funny how in the bird world, <laughs> it's the males that get all dressed up and hit the town ready to look good for the ladies instead of the other way around? Yes, it is, and, and males are typically more colorful in the bird world, and Male prairie chickens from a plumage or feather view are really not much different from female chickens. They both have a pretty good camouflage uh, feather pattern, but the male prairie chickens have these special adaptations that they use to court females. And, you know, a couple of those are they have these um, fleshy membranes on the side of their neck that they inflate with air. Um, that look like big oranges, basically, on the side of their neck when inflated when the birds are displaying. And then in addition, they have these, they look like rabbit ears, basically, but they're called pinnae, which are two very long feathers that they erect off of the top of their head. Um, and then they, they're strutting, stomping their feet, uh, tail is erect. They have all these different um, maneuvers, if you will, that make part of the display and make these birds quite colorful and, and quite humorous. And, and despite the appearance <laughs> issue, behavior of male prairie chickens on a booming ground is not that you know much different than you might see, say, on a Saturday night in a bar at any college town. The, the males are strutting and <laughs> right. cocking off, sometimes fighting for attention. You know, But in the end, it's still pretty much a female world. The ladies do the selection, which is the case in, you know, for most birds. Yeah. Brian Winter, our guest here, Northland Outdoors Radio, talking about prairie chickens. And what really interests me about the prairie chicken is the story we can learn from it, how we had huge numbers across the state, but Brian, as the habitat disappeared, so did the chicken. 
You're absolutely right. And, you know, key word is habitat. And it's true for, for any species. And, you know, certainly hunters know that from a game species standpoint. And prairie chickens are grassland birds. And without the grass, they will not be on the landscape. And that's why it's so important to protect what remaining native prairies and grasslands that we do have. Once upon a time, there were so many chickens, they were market hunted and shipped back east for food. But as that habitat was lost, chicken numbers plummeted. And we really are lucky that we still have a small remnant population of greater prairie chickens in Minnesota. This is, you know, particularly true when you look at the statistics. In Minnesota, over 99% of our native prairie grasslands have been converted to other uses. So uh, sometimes when you use percentages, it's hard for people to wrap their head around that. But, you know, I sometimes like to say, so if you had 100 marbles when you started, you only have one left. And I think that helps drive home the... The, the loss that has occurred and why we are still quite lucky that we still have this remnant population here in northwest Minnesota of well, chickens. You know, it's funny because every once in a while people, I have heard them say Minnesota's lost its marbles. So that <laughs> <laughs> makes a lot of sense. I didn't mean that. <laughs> <laughs> Brian Winter, our guest here, Northland Outdoors Radio. He's the president of the Minnesota Prairie Chicken Society. Tell us about what it was like. I mean, you, you alluded to it there, but in the 20s to the 40s here in Minnesota, in the 1920s and 1940s, what was it like for prairie chickens? Well, I'm going to actually put in a plug for a, a book called Booming from the Mists of Nowhere that was written by Greg Hulk. And He's been a board member for the Minnesota Prairie Chicken Society, and this was recently published by the um, University of Iowa Press. And I'm going to read just two real short quotes. They're just really one-sentence quotes here that I think can help, um, rather than me describe it, what, how people described it back then. And one is, the country hereabouts is full of them. Pesky things are eating the farmers out of house and home. That was from 1940. Um, another one, most of the ears are nothing but bear cobs. Them cussed prairie hens have picked all the corn off, and that was from 1925. Wow. And th- that's kind of from an agricultural perspective, if you will. If you um, go sort of, I'll read one short quote from those that hunted. The roar that followed my shot, occasioned by the be- beating of innumerable wings was astonishing. So large were these flocks that came together at times in late autumn and early winter that their sudden and simultaneous rising would make the earth tremble beneath the shooter's feet. Wow. Wouldn't that be a sight? Wow. <laughs> and that was uh, uh, from the prairie, prairie chicken shooting in 1883. Well, so they were very common at one point in time, no yeah, question. I was reading that a hunter could uh, could shoot over a hundred of these, end up shooting over a hundred of these things in a day. Yep, that's that's absolutely right. Wow. Well, and uh, it's not the case anymore, obviously. And in, in two thousand three, well, nineteen what nineteen forty two, nineteen forty three, nineteen forty two, I think was the last hunting season in Minnesota on prairie chickens until two thousand and three, when Minnesota started up a limited hunting season. Now, some people might look at that and say, you know, why is there a season on prairie chickens if there's so few birds and after what they've gone through? But this hunting season was designed to bring attention to the prairie chicken. And would you say that it's been successful in doing so? Yes, I, I think it has been a big success, and it, it helps to get sort of another group of folks the opportunity to enjoy prairie chickens by getting out their favorite hunting dog, uh, usually a German short-haired pointer in my experience, and uh, going afield to hunt this very wary game bird, really. They're not that easy of a bird to hunt, and 
the season is by permit only and you have to apply so you typically do not get the chance to hunt every year but but usually every other year and so the number of hunters that actually apply for a prairie chicken hunting permit and you know it's a less than what i would have expected but then I think the culture of hunting this bird has essentially been lost in Minnesota when we had a closed season in Minnesota for, what, over probably 60 years or something like that? Sure. So I think it does help. It has been a big success because, you know, those that like to pursue game birds have that opportunity again, and, and I think it helps build support for protecting that grassland habitat that we talked about earlier that's so critical. What is the preferred habitat? Diverse native grasslands, uh, but they'll use non-native grasslands like CRP, the Conservation Reserve Program lands that many people are familiar with. Um, and they seem to do best in grasslands with some disturbance. By disturbance, I mean things like prescribed fire or grazing management. Um, and it's also critical that the uh, habitat uh, have a limited number of sort of trees or brush or forest on it. They, they are open grassland birds, and their success from nesting and just their use of habitat drops dramatically as trees increase. What do they, why do they use Lex and will they ever visit different ones? Well, the, the Lex are the breeding system for chickens. So males gather to display and the females come to the Lex to choose that partner, as we talked about earlier. And Lexing is a good system to help females choose sort of the survivors, if you will. Usually the older males will occupy the center of that booming ground. And research has shown that the, the males in the center do probably about 80% of the breeding. And so older males are just more experienced, they're a bit heavier and more effective at fighting and holding ground in the middle of the lek. And, and um, if you're a survivor and you're, uh, you know, a prairie chicken female, you want to go with that male that's, that's lived several years within the landscape, knows how to survive and, and, you know, pass on those genes. I know that the lek we visited near Moorhead at the Bluestem Prairie Reserve, there's a popular one, as it booked up. Uh, I think the day reservations were open to go sit in the blinds. But if somebody wanted to visit a lek for prairie chickens or, I don't know, maybe even sharp-tailed grouse, can people still visit one yet this year? Yes, they could. And uh, my best advice on how to do that is the Minnesota Prairie Chicken Society has a website, prairiechickens.org. It's plural, prairiechickens.org. And it has all the opportunities that we know of to view these birds from viewing blinds in, in Minnesota. And the contact information is on that website for each of about a half a dozen places that maintain blinds. Um, there's also a, um, an opportunity of, up by Crookston, the University of Minnesota Crookston and Dan Sadarsky have what we call the big chicken coop that he just put together last year. And it's a large blind. It'll hold up to 20 to 30 people. He built it for groups of students. Wow. And so there's probably an opportunity to get in that monster blind up there as well. And we can find out more about that on the Prairie Chicken website, which is... Yeah, prairiechickens.org, or go to our Facebook page. There's a lot about the annual meeting on our Facebook uh, page. Again, Minnesota Prairie Chicken Society. There we go. Brian Witter, thanks for being on Northland Outdoors Radio. You're very welcome. We get the nuts and bolts of another big bird that is prominent in Minnesota, the bald eagle. Eileen Hansen from the National Eagle Center joins us next on Northland Outdoors Radio. 
Hunting waterfowl around L'Aquaparle is a Minnesota waterfowling tradition. Watson Hunting Camp is Western Minnesota's premier full-service waterfowl hunting camp. Stay in the Watson Hunting Camp Hotel or Bunkhouse and have dinner in the Watson Hunting Camp Restaurant. Fishermen and campers are welcome. Watson Hunting Camp comes with RV hookups, live music, and drink specials. The Watson Hunting Camp Bar is open Wednesday through Saturday from 4 p.m. to close. Look for our billboard just north of Watson on Highway 7. For more information and directions, find us on Facebook or visit WatsonHunting.com. You're listening to Northland Outdoors Radio.